What's going on? You're welcome back to Conspiracy Fears and Mysteries Podcast. And I am your host, Ralphie, again. And I was supposed to upload this Friday, uh, the 20th, the 25th, the uh, 24th. But um, I don't know. It was real busy work and stuff and uh and you know just life in general that i couldn't upload it i couldn't i couldn't even record it sorry so i'm recording this saturday and i'm uploading it saturday hopefully that serves as a as a uh makeup for what i did but anyway today man today is is uh we're going to talk about the McStay family murder. McStay family murder. Now, this is a case that, and I'm sorry if you hear me sniffling. I got the got the sniffles. I was riding around on my scooter, my new scooter. Yes, I got a scooter. And like I said, my other podcast, I've already done the cool things with the cool bikes. I've had them. I've had the big boy bikes. To, and I'm good. I'm, I'm a, I've, I've already passed that. You know what I'm saying? Um, So... I'm, I just want to. I just want to ride on two wheels, slow. I don't want to go fast. I'm not doing wheelies, so I'm good with my scooter. Okay, so don't don't make fun of me. But you know, I was riding today, and it was it, it wasn't cold. It wasn't cold. It was good. You know, it wasn't freezing. But you know, the, the wind and the got a little bit wet, and so now I got the sniffles and whatever. So, but anyway. So, today's case, so today's uh, murder mystery, which is, was a mystery until it was solved. All, all cases are mysteries until it's solved. Um, they, this case, I, I, I remember, I've seen this case. I watch so much true crime that, you know, I run, I come across cases that I've already seen. I've already, in any caliber, I may have seen it. Um, in one show or in another or both, because uh, there's times when you'll see you'll see one uh, mur- uh, one true crime case on one show, and you'll see it told uh, by another another show also. I saw this one on Unsolved Mystery. I mean, uh, not Unsolved Mystery. I saw this one on uh, on Disappeared, and this is before it was solved. This is before the case was solved. It was on Disappeared. Normally in that show, if you ever watched it, it's just people who who disappeared. A lot of those cases aren't solved yet or haven't been solved. And after I saw it on Disappeared, then I saw it on, um, not Forensic. I think it was, I don't remember what the other one was, but the other one was after it was solved. So I got, you know, I saw it from both. I saw it one year before it was solved, and then I saw it after it was solved. And, it, it, you know, unfortunately, what happened happened, but at least, you know, the it's not it's not a cold case. But let's go ahead and uh, read about the McStay family. So it all started in February 2010. Joseph and his wife, Summer McStay, age 43, along with their two sons, Gianni, age 4, and Joseph Jr., age three, had recently moved to San Clemente to Fallbrook, California. 
the new house located at 3473 Avocado Vista Lane was in a quiet upscale suburb located in North San Diego County. Joseph was a successful businessman and owned Earth Inspired Products, a company that built lavish uh, decorative fountains uh, while Summer was a realtor. And the family seemed to have it all. Joseph and Summer were described as loving parents, and the family was financially well off. And the the wife was a realtor. He owned that company, and they were doing well. So, so uh, so it was surprising to the mixed days relatives when neither Joseph or Summer had responded to them for several days. On the thirteenth, Michael drove over to his older brother's residence and knocked on the door. Uh, after getting no response, he went around back and climbed through an unlocked window. He searched around the house, uh, but his brother and his family were nowhere to be seen. Michael did notice that the two family dogs, Bear and Digger, were in the backyard in one of the, fam in one of the family's cars. In 1996, White Isuzu Trooper was missing. Uh, since Michael didn't see anything overly wrong, he looked up. He looked up the house. He looked the house up and down. Um, and left. Assuming the family might have taken an impromptu vacation, although he recalled later that he still felt off about the situation. The next night, Michael received a call that would only heighten his family, his feelings of unease. An animal control officer called him to inform him that they were about to seize the McStay family dog as they had been left in the yard with no food and were barking for over a week. Uh, as a result, Michael called the San Diego County Sheriff's Office and reported his brother and family missing. On the 15th, the, fam the police searched the McStay home. Similar to when Michael searched, the police found nothing overly amiss other than the dogs being left in the yard and the family's car being missing. Officers did, did note that although they were, there were no signs of a struggle or foul play, it seemed the family left in a hurry. Let's see. Just say that again. Sorry, start again. I ran his credit report. Sorry, TRW. But I had to get, get my brother. This is, so this is his I don't mean to laugh, but That's it's just not like, right, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I, I took a, I took a, in here there was a camera. You know, it's missing right here. That's the brother talking. It was her camera. Remember all the, pic the pictures that she was taking? The ca her camera was right here. So I asked the detectives, I go, hey, man, am I getting in trouble if I take anything? They said, no. I said, okay. So I took the SD card out. You know, there's like, there's like 20 SD cards somewhere around here. You know that. Really? Dude, ever since I bet you were born, here. ever since they were born, she goes crazy. Oh, dude, she I bet you were. crazy, and I was going to, we were going to ask you about that. Well, keep fishing, because you know what? If we can find them, get them me, I'll back them all up. I'll send you guys a USB thing. Well, my mom said we shouldn't go through this stuff until, uh... The detective just told me that this is not a crime scene uh, and I can do whatever I want. Maybe you and your mom and my mom can do Okay. I don't know. <laughs> That's a video from uh that was there. Uh from murder murder moment. I just wanna see what it was. Let you guys hear it. That was I think that was the brother talking. I, I believe that was the brother and some family members. This was after the disappearance. Okay, so let's keep going. A package of raw eggs had been left out and two uneaten bowls of popcorn lay untouched on the living room sofa. Investigators interviewed the neighbors and found that one of them had a surveillance camera that captured what may have been the last time the mixed days were last seen. 
this is uh eerily similar similar to uh the uh what's that case oh my god um uh the oh my goodness the guy that killed his wife and his his pregnant wife and his two daughters i just did that like i think two episodes ago three episodes ago and i can't forget his name um oh my goodness anyway it'll come back to me later so anyway due to the positioning of the camera the footage only showed the bottom 18 inches of the vehicle so investigators had no way of knowing for certain who was driving authorities put out a bolo be on the lookout alert for the vehicle it was later determined that the car had been towed from a strip mall parking lot in San Isidro. You know what's funny? I was born in San Isidro. Not this San Isidro, but San Isidro in San, in, in Dominican Republic. Uh, early, nearly 80 miles south of the home on the, night of, on the night of the 8th, investigators and witnesses estimated that the car had been parked there sometime between 5 and 7 p.m. that night. Although no one saw the car actually arrive, detectives then attempted to discover the car's location and whereabouts. For the four days between the 4th and the 8th, although they came up empty-handed, a search of the car revealed nothing unusual and no signs of foul play. Although it was noted that the trunk was filled with brand new toys that were concealed under a sheet. Digital forensic technicians checked the family's cell phone records but didn't find anything substantial. The last recorded call was from Joseph McStay's cell phone uh, at 8.28 p.m. on the night of the, of the 4th and was to his business associate and friend, Charles Merritt. It went to voicemail, and when questioned by police, Merritt told them he didn't see Joseph calling as he was watching a movie. Investigators tracked the location of Joseph's call and determined that it originated around the Fallbrook area where the McStay's home was. Since there were no signs of foul play or an obvious suspect, authorities soon began to think that the family may have voluntarily left. The location where their car was found parked was near the Mexican border and near a port of entry that was commonly used to go between the two countries. This is where uh, the show disappeared. Uh, kind of left the story that they had disappeared and, you know, uh, they were in this port of entry. And there was a video of them actually well we didn't know exactly if it was them there was a family that was on the on the cctv and it was a man a woman and two children walking and it just seemed very similar to them moreover surveillance footage from the eighth appeared to show a family of four there it is with two small kids crossing the uh, border bridge on foot around the 32nd mark uh yeah i got the video here unfortunately he's uh Audio podcast, can't see it. As a result of this, California authorities informed Interpol to be on the lookout for the family. This theory was also strengthened by a sweep of the family's computer history. Technicians discovered that in the weeks and months leading up to the disappearance, there had been searches on this computer with phrases such as, what documents do children need for traveling to Mexico? Additionally, there were searches for Spanish language lessons. Despite the Mexico theory being the most credible, the McStay's relatives did not agree. They stated that Joseph and Summer had both explicitly stated in the past they would never visit Mexico due to the prevalent drug crime and cartel activity. Moreover, they also pointed out the family had no reason to just up and leave the Mex to Mexico as both parents were very busy in their jobs with their jobs and the children. The McStay's 
also had over 100000 in their bank account, and there had been no withdrawals or activity in the account since the family went missing. A large reward was offered for information, and the case received national attention and was featured on many crime programs such as America's Most Wanted. Disappeared. There it goes. Nancy Grayson, Unsolved Mysteries. See? I know I saw I was like, I know I saw it somewhere. It was Unsolved Mysteries. So... Despite this, weeks turned into months, and months turned into years, and the case grew cold. During the time, there were multiple unconfirmed sightings of the family in Mexico and other nearby countries, such as uh, Belize and Haiti. Although none of these sightings could be definitely corroborated, authorities believe the sightings were a further indication that the family had spontaneously decided to start their lives in a foreign country. By April 2013, three years had passed and no other credible theories. The San Diego Sheriff's Department officially came out and said that they believe McStays had voluntarily gone, voluntarily gone to Mexico. Although the case wasn't officially closed at this point, it was essentially at a dead end, but that would change. It was November 2013, three years and nine months had passed since the McStay family vanished from their home without a trace. Although the case had received widespread attention, by this time most people had assumed the family would never be found. That would change on Veterans Day 2013. John Bluth was celebrating the day off by riding his motorcycle along a remote desert road just north of Victoria. Victorville, California, off of I-15 near Quarry Road. He was looking for trails, and though he passed one, so he circled back to attempt to find it, but instead something caught his eye. He just looked at a place. It was a white bone. It was round. It looked like a tortoise or something like that. He would later testify. Suspecting it may be human bone, Bluth called 911, and San Bernardino County authorities soon arrived. They began combing the area and soon found two graves. Uh, inside these graves, they found four remains, two in each grave. They were mostly skeletons and were unrecognizable due to being in the ground for so long. Forensic investigators soon arrived and detectives began trying to find if the remains matched any missing people. Almost immediately, it was suspected these remains were the McStay family as the remains were comprised of two adults and two children. Within 48 hours, the adults' remains were identified as Joseph and Summer. The children would be positively identified later. Although the remains were mostly skeletonized, investigators quickly determined that all four bodies showed signs of homicidal violence, namely blunt force trauma. A three-pound Estwing Shore Strike Sledgehammer was buried near Joseph McStay's body and was thought to be the murder weapon. Wow, it's crazy. It was thought that the family was likely killed somewhere before being buried in the gravesite nearly 110 miles from their home in Fallbrook. The burial site was also nearly 200 miles away from where their car was recovered. The McStay case was now no longer considered a missing person case. It was now considered a homicide. Since the bodies were discovered in San Bernardino County, the SBPD took lead on the case but received assistance from other state and federal agencies. They went back and re-examined the evidence along with re-interviewing the people who they interviewed back in 2010. No new leads were uncovered by 
interviewing the Mixtay's relatives, such as Patrick or Michael Mixtay. Authorities also re-interviewed Joseph's business partner and friend, Charles Chase Merritt. Oh boy. In 2010, when he was first interviewed, police didn't find anything unusual about him, and he appeared to have had an alibi at the time of the disappearance. They did know, however, even though the family was missing at that point, Merritt used past tense when talking about the Mixtay family. Uh, upon re-reviewing his involvement in the case, police in the case, police began to suspect something wasn't right about him. For one, Mary had a criminal record for multiple felonies. His past convictions include felony burglary and receiving stolen property. However, his most recent brush with the law happened all the way back in 2001, nearly a decade before the family vanished. That charge was for the theft of nearly $32,000 worth of equipment from San Gabriel Valley Ornamental Ironworks. Merritt also took a polygraph of the family's disappearance and passed it without issues. Since he was the last person that Joseph McStay called police, that jo that Joseph, since he was the last person that Joseph McStay called, police decided to investigate him further. In a subsequent interview with police, Merritt admitted that he had spent the le at least one hour an hour, I'm sorry, with Joseph on the day the family went missing. He stated that the two had a lunch had lunch and business meeting at Chick-fil-A near Merritt's home in Rancho Cucamonga, California, but everything seemed normal. A few months passed in nearly 2011. Merritt was interviewed on CNN and claimed he was interviewed by police, but he had nothing to give them and he was not involved in the case. He also stated that he was thinking about writing a book on the family, claiming that he knew that family well and knew that Summer had temper issues and that Joseph had been sick with an unknown illness for a long time. Uh, many, many also consider Summer Mixtay's ex-boyfriend, Vic, jo Vic Johansson, to be a potential suspect. He was reportedly obsessed with Summer after they broke up and he also had a criminal record for crimes such as violent threats, felony vandalism, disturbing the peace, interfering with a business and resisting a peace officer. As 2014 went on, police began to focus more and more on Merritt as they believed him to be the prime suspect. Investigators found that Merritt had a gambling addiction and was heavily in debt. In order of Earth-inspired products, the company Merritt and Joseph McStay were involved in found that Merritt had been embezzling money from the business. He also started removing money from Joseph McStay's QuickBooks business account on February 5, 2010, only a day after the family vanished. The final name in the coffin came in November 2014, nearly a year after the bodies were found when police re-examined the McStay's car. Police found Mary's DNA on the steering wheel of the McStay's car. I don't know how that wasn't found in the first, uh, the first investigation. Based on his evidence and the totality of the circumstances, Charles Merritt was arrested on November 4 7, 2014. Although Joseph McStay's business partner, 57-year-old Charles Merritt, was arrested in 2014. The case could not go to trial. Then would not go to trial for several years. Merritt was charged with four counts of first-degree murder and was likely to face the death penalty. In addition to the DNA evidence, investigators also found cell phone data that pointed to Merritt being the killer. Cell phone tower data showed that on the day of the disappearance and the morning after, Merritt's phone was in the area where the bodies were buried. With all the new evidence, police were able to reconstruct the events of that fateful Thursday in February 2010. Prosecutors believe it all started at 9.51 a.m. that morning 
The tie marked the first of 16 calls Mary would make to Joseph McStay that morning. During one of the calls, the two agreed to meet for lunch at the Chick-fil-A in Rancho Cucamonga near Merritt's house. Although Merritt initially said that this meeting was normal, police are fairly certain that Joseph had become aware of Merritt's embezzlement of company funds and wanted to meet with him to do, discuss what should be done. It's not known exactly what transpired during this meeting, but afterwards the two continued to both call each other throughout the day. And Joseph's last call, I'm sorry, Joseph last called Merritt at 5.48 p.m. Afterwards, Merritt turned off his phone for the next three hours and 44 minutes. It's believed that after this call from Joseph, Merritt got into his work truck and began the one-hour, 24-minute drive from his home to the Merritt house in Fallbrook. He arrived just past 7.10 and parked behind the McStay's car in front of their house. Merritt then went inside. It's not known exactly what transpired over the next 30 or so minutes. Investigators believe that the family was likely killed in their home, most likely in the kitchen or bathroom, as it would be easier to clean up a non-carpeted surface. They were bound, possibly, with blue painter's tape since the family had been in the process of painting and remodeling the home at the time. Due to injuries found on the bodies, as it though as it though that Merritt tortured the family for money and information regarding the business accounts, Merritt carried out his horrific torture with the three-pound sledgehammer that was later found in one of the graves. He smashed Joseph's right chin shin with the hammer, breaking his tibia. Additionally, he broke two of, the, of his ribs: one on the left side, one on the right. Summer was also tortured, likely in front of Joseph and the kids. She had her jaw broken in three places by blows from the hammer. Investigators also believe she was likely raped. Gianni, only four years old, was struck up to seven times on the head, fracturing his skull multiple times, killing him. Three-year-old Joseph Jr. remains were too decomposed to tell what happened, but it's believed he was also killed by blows to the head. After being tortured, Summer and Joseph were both killed by having their skulls caved in by the hammer. Each was struck four times in the head, with Joseph having skull fractures to the side of the, and the back of his head, and Summer having fractures to the front and back of the head. After murdering the family, Merritt wrapped the bodies up. He also took the family's cell phones and keys and backed his truck up to their driveway. He then locked, loaded the bodies into his vehicle between the storage compartments in the back of Merritt's work truck. At 7.47 p.m., Merritt moved his vehicle down the street and parked it. It's believed that his truck was the vehicle that passed by on the neighbor's surveillance camera due to its unique muffler being visible. Uh, something that, ex uh, that excluded it from being the McStay's car as originally thought. Merritt then walked back to the home and cleaned up the blood and other forensic evidence. He then went on Joseph's computer and accessed Earth-inspired products QuickBooks account and wrote himself a check for $4,000. He then deleted the check and did not print it, but was too late as the transaction attempted, attempt had already been digitally recorded. Prosecutors would later uh, point out that this was a key piece of evidence that would place Merritt at the scene of the crime. At 8.28 p.m., as Merritt was leaving the McStay home, he used Joseph's phone to place a call to his uh, to his cell phone. 
This was the call that had initially given an alibi for Merritt as since Merritt's phone was off. It didn't record the location of Merritt's phone, so Merritt could be could just claim he was at home at the, at this time. He then turned off Joseph's phone and drove back to Ranjiko Kamanga area, where he finally turned his cell phone back on. <coughs> Excuse me, at around 9:32 p.m. Wow, Merritt then buried the bodies either later that night or the next morning, and afterwards returned to the McStay home to plant their car at the strip mall in San Isidro near the border to make it seem like the family went to Mexico. After nearly a decade, Mary stood trial in 2019. Wow, last year. Wow, and was found guilty on all four counts of murder in June of 2019. He was yet to be sentenced and is believed he will receive life in prison without parole for Joseph's murder and the two death and the death penalty for the murders of Joseph's wife and two kids. Wow, that is insane. That is insane. That that's that's I mean, you gotta be careful who is around you, who you do business with, who you you know just who you who you have in your circle. I mean, this was a business partner. He probably met this guy, it was like, you know I don't know where he met him. I don't know where they met this guy, but I mean, wow, to to think the betrayal and then the, the, the just the brutality of this crime, you know, to do the to kill the wife and kids and, and it was all for money for and it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even like if it was it wasn't like it was hundreds of millions of dollars. It was a, a couple thousand dollars and then and then, then he and then he wrote himself a check for four thousand dollars. So for four thousand dollars he ended people's lives, ruined them. Not only did he ruin the people, he obviously, the victims, but everybody here is a victim. The family members, the friends, the neighbors. You know what I mean? Um, uh, his fa- the the killer's family. I mean, uh, the killer's family. I'm sure not all of them are like him. I mean, he's got to have people who are fairly not insane <laughs> in his family. You know, to have a family member even accused of that is would be crazy. Nevertheless, somebody who actually went along with it, there's evidence that he did it. You know, and this this case really, when I first saw it, I saw it years ago, this case, years ago. Um, well, 2000, I probably saw it in 2015 when I saw it, when I saw that case in, on, on Disappeared. Uh, you know, 2000, either 2000, whatever, 2014, 15, it was fairly new. And I said, wow. And I said to myself, before any of the evidence of them ever coming out, I said to myself, this is odd. Now, I thought, I was, I thought, what I thought happened was the father was involved with some cartel. I, I at the conclusion, when I first saw it on Disappeared, I knew, I said, no, these, this family's not alive. This family, this family's gone. And I don't mean gone like they moved. I mean they're gone. You know, they're they're dead. Just like, you know, it happened. But I thought it was drug related. I thought it was something that I thought it was like the husband. Even though I heard you know he was a good guy, whatever. I thought 
I said, okay, he's probably he, this guy probably got into some drug thing on the side, like maybe doing some kind of drug business, and got himself involved with some bad people. Didn't I don't know whatever happened didn't come through with some kind of business transaction when it came to the drugs, and these, you know, people came and got him, and he just happened to be with his family, or you know they threatened his family. He tried to, cause I was like, yeah, cause I was like, if he's trying to run, why would he go to Mexico? You know, if he's doing the drug thing, most likely. He's dealing with somebody in Mexico. Why would he go back? Why would he go to Mexico where it's crazier? You know what I mean? It's easier to get caught up, especially if uh, if you're in that business or doing any kind of shady stuff like that. Why would he go to Mexico? But uh, I I knew that that I said no. This is not gonna. This is not gonna be good. They they're not gonna find these people. Like oh, we just went to. You know, live here and and that's it. No, there there was something more with this <coughs> before. When I saw it, it was before even the actual killer was a suspect. On disappeared. If you watch the original, disappeared. But I believe it was disappeared. It it ended with they don't know where they went, and then later on I saw it on. Um, I think I, I forgot where I saw it again. Then they showed, oh, the friend killed him. Oh, this is what I was going to say. This is similar to the Watts case. It's eerily similar. Like, when I see the house, when I see the whole situation, how it happened, it reminds me a lot of the Watts case. You know, um, and that dude, oh, this guy's crazy, man. The world is insane. The world is insane, and you got to be careful out there. You can't just, you cannot be everybody's friend you could you could smile in their face okay but you gotta keep that keep that worry behind you behind that smile keep that uh caution you know anyway that's all we got for this week man don't forget to like and subscribe follow me on the social medias cigar underscore ralphie cigar underscore ralphie um i don't have the Twitter for this podcast anymore. It's just this podcast. And you could reach me at Cigar underscore Rafi on Instagram if you want to. You can inbox me there. You can leave a message here on Anchor. You can actually leave a message if you got a case you want me to look at or or talk about. Um, you can leave a message on Anchor. Anywhere you listen to, there's a link. There's also a donate button if you want to donate to the podcast. Keep this going. Um... You know, it's, 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 believe it or not, it's not easy doing it. Okay, believe it or not. But anyway, follow me on social media, man. YouTube's Cigar Ralphie TV and Ralphie Reviews. Ralphie Reviews, if you want to see me just review stuff. And I'm doing moto vlogs because I got my scooter. So I'm vlogging on my scooter. You know what I'm saying? And look, guys, I will see you. Oh.